Several centuries ago, back in the ancient times, a man named Oedipus wrote a play called The Sphinx. We've probably all heard of The Sphinx. This is kind of that Egyptian statue that kind of stands very, very, very iconically along the Nile that, that is um, really kind of very, it's a very beautiful looking statue, aside from the fact that it lost its nose a long time ago. It's, a, it was, it's just a very, it's a very much an icon. Well, The Sphinx itself kind of has a mythology to it, a story, if you will. And the story goes that the Sphinx was kind of this this evil lion-man type figure, kind of a cross between between those two entities. And what it was doing was it it was guarding the city of Thebes. Thebes was known as the most luxurious city of ancient times along the Nile. They said that even its roads were paved with gold. And if you can go up to the Sphinx and solve the riddle that it proposed to you, you could enter the city. But if you couldn't solve the riddle, if you couldn't ultimately get through, it would kill you. And that was kind of the big role. And and throughout basically the life of the Sphinx, nobody could ever get to the city of Thebes because the the Sphinx had a riddle that nobody can solve. A riddle that, that, that baffled every great mind except for one man whose name was Theseus. The riddle was this. I... Walk on four legs in the morning, stand on two at noon, and then walk on three in the evening. What am I? This kind of riddle and this kind of setting in the desert, meant to trip people up, is very much the same way that the devil is operating in today's gospel. The devil here is proposing something very similar to riddles, he's proposing temptations. Temptations look a lot like riddles because riddles are designed to to make you fail. Riddles are designed to ultimately make you you lose. Riddles are designed to trip you up in the same way the Sphinx is trying to trip up everybody who comes by after him. In the same way Satan is always trying to mess us up. But the difference between a riddle and a temptation is a temptation actually looks like it's here to help. A temptation actually looks like it's here to give us a hand, that it actually looks like it's going to benefit us in some way, shape, or form. A riddle doesn't, doesn't really benefit. The only way that a riddle benefits, benefits us is if we get it right. But, but a temptation makes it seem like an easy path to fulfillment. And that's kind of what the devil is doing to Jesus. Jesus, here, kind of right after his baptism, makes a decision to go into the desert. Now, why the desert? Why the devil? Why all this other stuff? What Jesus is doing is he's making up for all the times that Adam, that really man, failed to overcome temptation. Starting in a garden with Adam. In the midst of all of his luxurious, in the midst of all of his luxury, what does Adam do? He fails on temptation. Then again in the desert, whenever the Israelites go into the desert, for 40 years they wandered. What do they do? They fail time and time and time again, ultimately resulting in kind of the pinnacle of their failure by building the golden calf and ultimately blaspheming against God and basically creating an idol in his stead. In other words, what Jesus is doing by going into the desert is he's doing the opposite of what Adam did living in luxury. He's living in poverty and doing the opposite of what the Israelites in the desert did for 40 40 years. He's taking 40 days and living in obedience. He's not complaining, he's not getting upset, and he's not getting greedy like the Israelites had a bad habit of doing all throughout their time in the desert, despite the fact that God fed them manna, 
a miraculous bread that nobody's ever seen since, and quail whenever they got tired of the manna. Incredible. And so what does Jesus do? He goes to make up that sin. He goes to kind of write what was made wrong. And in the process of writing what, he was, what was made wrong, the devil thinks he can come in and he thinks he has an easy target. Here we are, we have a man who's hungry, a man who's kind, of, who's kind of famished. And what does the devil do? He goes in and he tempts them with a flesh and a passion of the body. It's like so many of us tempted by our bodies, whether it's hunger, whether it's alcohol, whether it's lust, whether it's whatever it is, the body has a bad habit of tempting us. It's the reason why Our Lady of Fatima, in 1917, told the three shepherd children that ultimately the sins of the flesh are the number one reason why people go to hell. Because of the sins of the flesh. They're like snowflakes falling onto a fire. They're that common, and it's that easy. And that's what Satan thinks he can do. He thinks he can go in with a softball here. Okay, look, the guy's hungry already. He already has a weakness of the flesh. Let me tempt him with the flesh. Hey, if you really are the Son of God, if you really are the Son of Man, just turn these, lo- these stones into bread. It'll be easy for you, and then you can eat. A simple temptation. Looks like he's here to help, but ultimately what happens? It'll lead to his downfall. What does Jesus do? He resists. Satan then offers another temptation. Instead of attacking the body this time, he attacks the spirit. And what does he do? He goes up and he basically tries to shortcut Jesus' mission. What's the purpose of Jesus? He's here to die for us. He's here to reveal God's love for us. He's here to reveal God's power to us. But he doesn't do it by tempting God. He does it by loving us. Why is he on a cross? Because he loved us. And people got really upset about that. What Satan does is says, forget the people. Make a showman of yourself. Do it yourself. Reveal to everybody your own power. Cast yourself from the temple, the place of worship of all the Jews, and they will know that you are the Son of God. Because why? The angels will come in and save you. And what does Jesus do? He quotes scripture again. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You should not do it. And what does Satan do? Satan throws up his hands in the air and he forgets quoting scripture. He forgets even tempting. He's got no, nowhere else to go. He tried the body. He tried the soul. Now he's just, he's just flaring up like a peacock. And he's taking Jesus to the highest point. And what does he do? He says, I'll give you everything if you just worship me. Just worship me. Just do it. And Satan tries to push and push and push. I'll tell you one time, a spiritual director of mine told me, and kind of like, because I was trying to figure out kind of where, where God was working, where Satan was working, he, he gave me a good distinction that kind of has lasted for many years. He says that, that God, whenever he speaks to us in our hearts, always guides us. He leads us. But Satan drives us. Like a, like a kind of a, a man driving a dog sled with a whip, just beating and beating. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And that's what Satan has done. Satan has got nothing less left to give him. So what does he do? He flares up and he says, just worship. A totally absurd proposal, something completely preposterous and something that very much merits Jesus saying, get away, Satan, for you shall only worship the Lord your God. What can we learn from this? Well, Satan does, kind of shows us three things whenever it comes to temptation. Number one, Satan, whenever he tempts us, is always trying to help. Hey, take a rest day. You know, you've, you've been working really, really hard. 
Hey, take, a, take another, you know, have another beer. You know, you, you, you've earned it. Hey, you know, go look at this website. You know, it's been, it's been a long time. Like things, he tries and he tries and tries to angle things to where it seems like it's going to benefit us. That's the first thing he wants to do. Kind of the same way that he was angling with Jesus. I'll give you this stuff. You can have it. All you got to do is just kind of sign along this dotted line. That's the first way uh, Satan will, will try and, and, and get us. The second way that, that he'll try and get us is he'll try to disorient us. What does Satan do? He takes Jesus here. He takes Jesus there. He takes Jesus up to the sky. He takes him on, onto the temple. He tries to disorient him. That's what Satan tries to do with us. He's always trying to disorient us. He's trying to get us to forget our past. He's trying to get us to not think about the future. He's trying to think about this, just this one moment. Let's just enjoy this one moment, this one time, this one night, this one, this one. If you look at secular music, it's all about this one specific moment. It completely ignores that there's a past and there's a future. That will have to bear the consequences of that supposed one specific moment that will last forever. That's what Satan tries to do. He tries to get us all disoriented. And the final thing is, is Satan tries to make it seem like that's our only option. He tries to make it seem like it's our only chance. If we, we Really, we can only do this or else we'll just be in sadness or else we'll be in squalor or else we'll be starving or else something will be wrong, we'll be tired, we'll be exhausted. Whatever the temptation might be, Satan is always going to try and make it seem like that's the only thing you can do at that very moment. That's the one basic thing to do. And that's the riddle he proposes to ultimately allow us to fail. My friends, I'm sure you're thinking... And I'm sure you've probably already guessed and imagined and know that the answer to the Sphinx's riddle is a man. A man in the morning of his life walks on four legs. A man in the noontime of his life walks on two. And a man in the evening of his life walks on three with a cane. It is a man who ultimately is the solution to the Sphinx. And what happened? Who guessed that it was Theseus? And whenever Theseus guessed that riddle, Whenever Theseus solved that problem, the Sphinx hurled himself and committed suicide by throwing himself into a giant gorge at the bottom, basically, of this, of this canyon in which he was, he was tempting people and solving these riddles. My friends, the same thing happened to Satan. Whenever one man, Jesus Christ, solved his riddles, whenever one man resisted his temptations, Satan fled like a shamed dog. And what happened to Jesus? Jesus entered the city of Thebes. What happened immediately after he overcame that temptation? What happened? The angels came and ministered him. In the same way, Theseus walked into the city of gold, the city of Thebes. My friends, Satan's going to make it look like you have to choose these options. Satan's going to make it look like you have to fall into temptation. Satan's going to make it look like you have to make the decision to go after and live in the present moment. But Jesus reminds us that after 40 days of fasting, you can still go to war with Satan. After 40 days of fasting, you can still resist him. And that's by recalling and recognizing that ultimately, whenever you're in desolation, whenever things aren't going your way, whenever things that, and, and, and Satan's proposing one little, little, little solution, one little proposal that'll make everything better, you can remember that Christ is around the corner. You can remember that the angels are there to minister to you. All you have to do is solve the riddle. All you have to do is resist the temptation and recognize that this too shall pass. This too is not the end of the story. And there's a future right there behind that corner. And that future is in Jesus Christ 
in heaven, and ultimately the glorious city of thieves up in with Jesus in the sky. Amen.